divinely timed interview as always we recorded this almost two months ago but it's coming out when it's meant to I really feel like and while things have been kind of a crazy start to the year hold on to your hats because we're going to be um, shot out of a cannon again (laughs) as all those planets go direct I have to look this up because I keep running it through my brain and then forgetting to look up the exactitude of it. I'm not exactly sure that's a word, but at any rate, all of the planets going direct, I don't believe this has happened for a while. I know that there are some planets that stay in retrograde for years, so it could be two, three years since the last time we had all of the planets direct at the same time. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but I'm excited for you to listen to this and happy to share it, not only for trauma recovery, mental health, uh, recovery, parenting support, but you know, all of the inspiration here within and hopefully support for any of you who are doing the lion's share of the hands-on child raising in your family. Uh, Part of the reason we focus on, you know, mothers more is because we are more likely to have postpartum depression. But I'm sure in the future, as we've had more data and years of family configurations uh, that are different, where there's two dads or two non-binary people or two moms and, you know, maybe it's not the traditional stereotypical gender roles that we've had and the responsibilities they're in. But for now, there is a biological component to the fact that uh, women are more likely to experience this postpartum depression and also... uh, there is a larger likelihood that a, a mother has also been a victim of trauma. And what happens when our kids start to reach the ages it was when we experienced our own trauma 
is it triggers all of that back up in us again, especially if we had repressed memories. So um, content warning in case you didn't read the notes or the cover of the podcast, but there is uh, trauma, child abuse, sexual abuse, um, suicidal ideation, uh, you know, parent struggles, you name it, it's probably in here. Human trafficking. Uh, Between Heather and I, we had the uh, full smorgasbord of life experience that can cause upheaval later on in in your life. Um, Also, Heather and her therapy team need to remain anonymous because of the various legalities surrounding MDMA uh, and psychedelic therapies, as well as um, just general uh, custody issues, childcare, and privacy. So uh, that's why we're not sharing anyone's last names or information or contact information. However, if you would like to connect with Heather, she would be happy to help you one-on-one with any sort of peer counseling and support or questions you might have about the process she went through and is going through in her recovery uh, so that her her privacy is protected and then um, I can be kind of a gatekeeper as to who gets to her. So if you would like to get in touch with her, feel free to email me, uh, DM me on any of the socials, and I will take your information and pass it along to her so that she can contact you when she has time. Uh, She is a busy mom with special needs kids and her own battles that she's fighting, so let's keep that in mind. Um, Heather was so inspirational to me, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Welcome back, Galactic Groovers. I am very excited to have my friend Heather with me here today. She is a very uh, knowledgeable peer counselor, and um, we're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff today in the woo realm, but also the, uh, you know, psychology realm as far as um, healing with psychedelic medicine and then also how motherhood uh, kind of gets co-opted by the way we do it in society. So I'm really excited to talk to her today. So welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Just for hearing that introduction and that summary of all the things that we're going to talk about just made me feel really excited. Oh, (laughs) well, I am so glad I, you know, that's what I strive for is having conversations that are meaningful to both of us, because that usually means it will be meaningful to others, you know? So um, where would you like to start Um, with the psychedelic uh, treatment or with the motherhood? Um, oh, that's such a good question. I mean, it's also wrapped up together. Mm-hmm. Um, would it be good to start maybe kind of like with my own, like my own story a little bit? Of like, how Yeah, I- let's do I- that. I- if you would like to share that, I would love to hear it. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, because I think it'll all kind of, 
I think it'll all kind of tie tie in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Oh, but what, like where to start, of course. <laughs> where to start? That's <laughs> always start. the question. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, my story with, with motherhood, I'll, I'll start there because this is kind of the catalyst to sort of like my bigger awakening story is I was a really young mom. I, mm-hmm. I had my first child when I was in my early 20s, which, you know, globally, not that young, but I was pretty young at that point. I had come from a, a background of trauma and uh, childhood trauma and um, was really in denial about my own mental health stuff. And mm-hmm. I was in a relationship that was okay, not not great, but but okay enough. It was safe. And I got pregnant and I was so excited because all I had ever wanted to be was a mom. And I was just like, I'm going to do everything. I'm not like, I'm not going to can I say the F word? Oh yeah, cuss on like, here all you want. I let it fly on here. I say whatever I feel moved to. So you can be as free as you like on here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I was like, I'm not gonna fuck up my kid. I'm gonna like do everything right. And I had this sort of idea that to not not fuck him up, I was I had mm-hmm. to be very perfect. Like I had to mm. do everything perfectly. Um, so when he was born. I, uh, I just like jumped right into that. And he was a very difficult baby. Uh, he's lovely and sweet, but he also had reflux. And so he was up mm. every 45 minutes to an hour and a half at night. Uh, mm-hmm. his, his dad would travel a lot for work. So it was just me and him a lot of the time. And I just, I was so in love with him. Like it was just such a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, both the birth and then and mothering like this connection that I had with this other being that but I just I just burned myself out like I just I couldn't I wasn't taking care of myself I wasn't uh my relationships all fell apart like my friendships my relationship with his dad kind of crumbled because I kind of realized that I was carrying the whole relationship on my back and then with the head of baby I couldn't couldn't Mm -hmm. do all the work of the relationship Oh, can I relate to that one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was kind of like, nobody's taking care of me. I'm fully taking care of this baby. And what ended up happening was like around a year, a year and a half. I just, I just burnt out. And I was like, there's no joy left. I, there's nothing left for me. What is the point of living? And my solution to that should have been go to therapy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I did, I did try, I did find a therapist um, because I started to have some signs and symptoms of OCD. So Mm -hmm. I was really worried about him getting sick because he, he, you know, anyone who's a parent knows this as soon as they hit like a year and they start to like, you know, play with other kids and put everything in their mouth, like all of a sudden they're getting sick, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. all the time. And yeah, so it's it, the worst. It really is. It's a difficult time as a mom. It's, yeah, yeah. It was like my worst nightmare. And I never had, I never worried about germs before. Like I never cared. Like I took the bus mm-hmm. all the time. I worked like in a very public setting and I, I never even thought about it. And then all of a sudden I was like hand washing all the time and researching like, you know, how how many viral particles do you, do you need to get norovirus? You know, like, I oh, wow. You were like really deep in it. You weren't just (laughs) like, oh, my kid has hives. What does that mean? It was more like, 
I'm going to understand all the epidemiology. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was in it. I was really in it. And so I, um, I just kind of like went, went off the deep end there and I was just like burning myself out and my hands were raw from hand washing. And so I, I then turned to, so I, I went to therapy briefly. The therapist wasn't great. She told me like, Oh, of course you wash your hands all the time. Like you're around kids all the time. Yeah. Like, well, that's not, that's not helpful. Um, yeah. It's so great when, uh, the therapist that you go to for help dismisses yeah. <laughs> what you're telling them is a problem. Yeah, uh. exactly. Exactly. And so I, um, that my, so my solution in the end was to have another baby because I've had such profound experience with mm -hmm. my first, like feeling meaning and purpose and connection. And I'd never experienced that before. I'd never, I'd never felt that in a relationship with anybody else. And so I was like, I'll have another baby. It'll be great. And so, you know, my partner and I, we decided to have another baby. And I think he just wanted me to feel better and he didn't know how to support me. And he comes from a history of trauma as well. So he didn't know, he didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to do. Well, and you were both young. I mean, yeah. I, that's young. It is. Like, yeah. I know on the world stage, that's not young, but I waited purposely till I was a bit older to have kids because I recognized in my 20s, like, I am not equipped yet to do this. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's hard to have all those tools. But anyway, continue. No, I think you're, you're so right, Andrea. And I'm like, I don't, I don't wish that I'd waited because then I wouldn't have gotten the kids. Sure, <laughs> sure. It's like, yeah, we accept what we have, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, my brain, you know, they say your brain fully developed at like 25. Like I didn't have a fully developed brain. I was a bit older when my, my second was born. I was 20, 27, I think. But, uh, you know, I didn't, I was still a kid when I had my first and that mm -hmm. was really hard. And so I, yeah, so I had, I decided to have a second baby and I went off the deep end pretty quickly. Like I started to have panic attacks uh, early in pregnancy. Um, my mental health just just spiraled, and I I had really severe anxiety up until the very end of my pregnancy, where up to the point of not eating because I was so afraid of getting food poisoning. And oh my, wow! There's all these things that are like, I'm like, why did nobody see that? But I was I was really good at hiding it. Like I was really good at at just you know muscling through mm -hmm. the day-to-day -day. and then when my daughter was born um I couldn't muscle through anymore like I just I started to crumble and it was interesting because it was around um around 2012 when things started to go downhill for me and I've been listening to like Jessa for a really long time Jessa Reed her podcast mm -hmm. since the Mormon and the meth had days Mm -hmm. And she talks about 2012 being this time when the, the emotional body kind of came online. Mm -hmm. And it was so true for me. It was like, I couldn't not feel my feelings, mm -hmm. but I didn't have tools <laughs> to feel my feelings. So it was coming out in this way of like, I was just crumbling emotionally. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, my younger one, she's, amazing and wonderful and beautiful but she's also neurodivergent she both my children are but she is very she struggled a lot when she was a baby and um a young child she had so many sensory challenges that we didn't know about uh 
that she was screaming all the time. She was crying all the time. She could only be with me. She wouldn't go with anybody else. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really hard. And so I luckily reached out for help when she was about a month old and I got treated at a local hospital. They have a reproductive mental health program. And I was treated with medication and I was treated uh, sort of in therapy groups and that sort of thing. But what I came to realize is that I was being medicated and I was being treated so I could maintain the status quo. Mm-hmm. And what was really causing my suffering was that I was in an unequal partnership. Right. And that I was being crushed by the social constructs of what motherhood should look like. Mm. And so I sort of, you know, was reflecting on that, but also just having to survive in my day-to-day life. And I think when my daughter was about two, maybe a little younger than two, I went, I went back to therapy and I just happened to find the most amazing therapist who is still my therapist to this day. And she she really helped me start to feel my feelings. And I basically sat on her sofa and cried for five years. Thank goodness you found her though. And you had her. Yeah. I mean, motherhood, even when it goes well, like even when your kids are fairly typical and healthy and, you know, general ease, whatever it is, it's still hard, you know, it's still a very emotional experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the way that we sort of like, the values that we project, project mm-hmm. on mothers and motherhood mm-hmm. and like the, the conflicting, the conflicting things we get told of like, you know, if you, if, if you don't stay home with your kids, you're going to damage them forever. But if you don't go to work, then you're going to be mm-hmm. that influence. And that, you know, it's like- mm-hmm. yeah, no matter what you do, like, especially for the last 10 to 20 years, motherhood became this thing where it's like, no matter what choice you make, it's going to be the wrong one, unless you somehow do everything. And then that'll be the wrong one too, because then you're not, you know, being fully present with any of the things. And yeah, it's a real trap. Mm-hmm in that Mm -hmm. regard societally you know it's Mm -hmm. like and just for anyone listening just to make clear I'm feeling like I should say this motherhood itself is beautiful and wonderful that's what we're trying to talk about is how that gets we get robbed of that by these Mm -hmm. expectations yeah absolutely absolutely I think it's just such a it can be such a experience of like divinity and like it can be such a spiritual experience and it's you know we're we're raising up these these beautiful souls and Mm -hmm. that come into the the planet to like make a difference and to you know make change like my my youngest one like she both of my children are 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 wonderful of course I have to say that but Mm -hmm. my little one like she's just clearly like this this incredible soul here for some big huge purpose and it's such a privilege to be her her mother Mm -hmm. and I was so just caught up in how society constructs motherhood and these these restrictions that we place on mothers that I couldn't be there for her for a long time Mm -hmm. Um, 
also, you know, a history of childhood abuse and trauma that she really triggers. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar experience, so I know what you're saying. Uh, so you started going back to therapy and that started freeing you. Um, how, when and how did that start moving into uh, working with psychedelics and doing that yeah. kind of treatment? Well, that was actually pretty recently. Mm -hmm. So I've been following uh, a lot of the trials around the use of MDMA specifically. Mm -hmm. It's just been an interest of mine. And my sister works at one of the local hospitals and they were doing some of the trials for the MAPS project. Um, I can't remember what MAPS stands for, but that's the mm -hmm. organization that's been doing a lot of the studies on mm -hmm. psychedelic use and therapy. And so we, you know, I was just chatting with her about that and I was, using my own like doing using plant medicine on my own um with uh psilocybin mushrooms mm -hmm. and that sort of thing and then just like oh when was it it would have been in the summer or is the, the spring of this year mm -hmm. I was I was really circling the drains my mental health I had left my partner um just it's about in 18 months I left him mm -hmm. and then or he left actually he moved out um and then I was so I was doing I was single parent all of a sudden living in a in a really expensive city and then I I was in a relationship for a short time that was just not great <laughs> yeah man those rebounders they're just, it's hard to find like I think they should just tell you all right so you've broken up this major relationship and you have kids you need to be alone for at least two years you know what I mean just because yeah. it's like there's so much left over from that like I, I that's one of those things I wish I had done it then because that I just wound up having to do it anyway, you know? Yeah. But anyway, yeah. carry on. <laughs> I no, can relate exactly. to that. But in some ways I'm so grateful for that relationship because it mm -hmm. just, it, uh, it felt like such divine timing in a way. Mm -hmm. It was like kind of what I needed. Like I hadn't fully learned the lessons and I actually had a reading. Um, think it was with Karen Rontowski actually mm -hmm. and she's like you didn't learn the lessons from the first relationship ah. so this like person came in just to like slam you <laughs> in the ground mm -hmm. so it was very painful but it was interesting because I I kind of consciously jumped timelines so I was doing some work um with like water and like did a little ritual in the shower and where like mm -hmm. I, I stepped out of the shower into a new timeline and everything started to go downhill and then three weeks later I was diagnosed with skin cancer very oh my. it's all good now I just mm -hmm. I have it removed and it yeah. didn't metastasize so good but <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> yeah. yeah but I was diagnosed with skin cancer and then and then he broke up with me the next day and oh my gosh I know because like that is what a reasonable human being does and he knew about it too like I had sent I had talked to him mm -hmm. but when I had done this this jumping timeline ritual it also coincided with some really interesting astrology for me which I didn't realize until the other day when I looked back at some transits that 
were happening now, but also have happened because of different planets retrograding have happened around that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the retrograde storm of 2021. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it it coincided with the astrology that this person who I had really felt was like this sort of divine connection in the sense that like we've been we've we've traveled through lifetimes together, not mm-hmm. really in a partnership, but he was definitely someone that I was like, I know, I know you. Mm-hmm. Like we know each other, and we had actually had a a, a friendship for many years and he had he's the one who kind of like introduced me to so five and mushrooms we don't we talk about consciousness all the time like he -hmm. really did gift me a lot and then I jumped timelines and I and then it all fell apart Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like this is what I wanted to happen but it was you know it was a it was a good thing in the end Mm -hmm. and so my therapist I was just kind of circling the drain I actually got really sick where I couldn't like leave my bed for a few weeks and mm-hmm. um and I I kind of stopped eating because I was just so anxious all the time so I was just falling apart and then my therapist was going on maternity leave oh boy <laughs> oh my gosh and I was like oh my god what do I do <laughs> and I was chatting with a friend of mine and she was like um she had done uh, some MDMA uh, mm-hmm. therapy and she told me about it. She gave me a book. So I show up at my therapist's op- office, last session, I'm completely crumbling and I hold up the book and I'm like, can I do this? Like, I, like, I need to do this because I was looping on the, the same trauma that, um, that I had, you know, experienced as a child. Like I was just mm-hmm, looping on it. Mm-hmm. It was just stuck there and not going anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm stuck energy um so what did your therapist uh was she encouraging about the mdma and trying that or was she like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) well she was very she was very encouraging and she the the reason i brought that to her is because my friend had done it with her she's also ah okay cool and so but she hadn't mentioned anything to me about doing it and Mm -hmm. i was like how do i broach this subject Uh there there I am completely crumbling on our last session. Like I was just devastated. I was like not coping mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to do this. And she's like, it was her last day of work. You know, she's like, mm-hmm. well, we're going to have to talk about that when I get back. And also like, you have to be stable. Like you can't, cause I was, you know, I was kind of like on the verge of being suicidal and I was, Mm -hmm. I did not feel very stable. And she's like, you have to be stable to do this. Like I can't, you know, it can, cause it messes with your brain chemistry. Like, right. Go into it. And um, I think I was taking some herbal supplements that could be contraindicated with it too. So she's like, you have to to go off these supplements and you have to, you know, not be talking about wanting to die. And so (laughs) I hope that's not triggering no, 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 it's fine. I will put a, a content warning on the notes just in case, um, you know, others yeah. are in a place where they're not ready to hear it, but yeah. I talk about everything here and I, you know, we, we are in a little, um, chat group that's for general support on self-care and taking care of ourselves better. And I just, I know you were going through a really hard time, but I'm sorry that it was this hard and I'm sorry that that's um where you were but it seems like uh 
what happened next must have really helped because you seem like you're in a much better place now. So mm -hmm. what happened after that session where she was like, no, you can't do this yet. <laughs> and I'm leaving you. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. like in the child traumatized brain, I know for me, that would have like totally, even though logically my adult self knows she's just having a baby. She, mm -hmm. you know, she has to go do her life. I would definitely have had some abandonment issues with that probably. Oh, I mean like a, a thousand percent. and. It's so interesting because she has, uh, when in the time that I've been seeing her, which has been since like, I don't know, five years ago, I, or six mm -hmm. years ago, I can't mm -hmm. even do that math right now. But <laughs> she has gone away on long trips. She has, uh, she had to go, she had to leave to go do her uh, last year of her PhD at a different mm -hmm. university. She's, there's been a couple of times when she's gone away, but she's never dropped me as a mm -hmm. client. And she's like, did you realize that I've seen you in hotel rooms? And I was like, oh, because we she we would work online sometimes. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, like I didn't realize that. And when she went to go do her PhD, she only kept a few clients and she'd see me on her lunch break. You know, Aww. like she, she was like, <laughs> yeah, really committed to me. Mm -hmm. And so when she went on maternity leave, she referred me to one of her colleagues who I was going to keep seeing. And he was wonderful. Oh, thank um, goodness. <laughs> and I think, and he was so worried about me because I was really not okay. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think at one point she was just about a month postpartum and he reached out to her because uh, he was trying to get me to go on medication mm -hmm. and, uh, or get me to think about it, about going on, on medication, which I, I had had a really bad reaction before where I didn't, my blood didn't clot properly when I was on medication oh and wow I surgery and then it was a whole thing so I was like hesitant yeah understandably <laughs> content edited to protect anonymity um because it's still it's still very illegal <laughs> yeah 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 I gotcha but I gotcha. he's like can I talk to her and just um you know see what she thinks about you going on medication and so he called her and I'm like she's a month postpartum like I don't know if you should call her but he did and he she called me and we had this really long conversation and she's like I know you wanted to do this uh work with MDMA and uh you know you can't go on medication if you want to do that but if you feel like you're really rough like you should go on medication and then we set a date like to do the work which was before she was back from her leave um mm -hmm. and she like came to my house and like we did it here our first session mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. and it was just like she's like I she's just the most incredible person she's like Sounds I never like stopped it. caring for you like even though our work was paused like you know I want you to be okay and she just so we did this work together um in October and even the timing around that was so just it worked out so well mm -hmm. uh, in really backwards ways because my my kids had COVID and then the yeah day I remember were, that <laughs> so like, the day they were out of isolation mm -hmm. the next day was our session and I had gotten a pack of like 20 rapid tests and I was doing them like twice a day and mm -hmm. I was so scared I was going to her and her new baby COVID. oh right yeah 
but I was back I'm vaccinated so I never ended up getting COVID and obviously I didn't pass it on to her so it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all fine but because I because my kids had, had COVID I because I'm in school as well I'm a student and so my instructors had given me open extensions on all my assignments so that gave me like the freedom to do the journey and then not have to like jump right back into to doing the, the school work. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, my headset there. That's okay. <laughs> I was going to say something in a minute just because I want everybody to hear you, but yeah, yeah. yeah. these darn oh. mics are so sensitive. <laughs> I know, I know. I have a proper podcasting mic, but I, I can find it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we did the, we did the journey. Um, and I, so one of the reasons I had found Jessa, all coming full circle, mm-hmm. um, was that I had listened to a podcast with her podcasting partner. He was on it uh, mm-hmm. talking about his repressed memories. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so fascinated by the idea because I don't have memories of childhood. I have, mm. I understand, you know, that my dad was very scary and that my, uh, my mom was really emotionally um, distant. I know that, but I don't mm-hmm. have specific memories that I can recall and even my sisters are like oh yeah do you remember when this happened I'm like no no yeah (laughs) I don't remember um and so I that's how I ended up listening to Mormon in the meth head and then Mm -hmm. Jessica started talking about her experience with the aliens and um or like you know her guides or whatever but I was just like oh that makes sense and Mm -hmm. that's kind of how what got me started on this path it wasn't like And then I started to find all these other spiritual teachers or whatever. So I knew that I was, I knew that there was things I didn't, I wasn't remembering that I wasn't recalling. Mm -hmm. And I went into the, uh, the MDMA experience, I guess a little naively because I was like, this is going to fix me, you know, like I'll do it and I'll just like, I'll feel fixed. Mm -hmm. And so I went into it, um, not really knowing what to expect and what came up was a lot of the memories that wow. I shut out and they were a lot worse than I thought they could be mm-hmm. to the point where I like couldn't believe it at, at first mm-hmm. and then my therapist was like oh well why would your there's no reason for you to make, have made that up yeah and yeah that's the hard one because you do like you these things come up when there are a lot you know repressed memories and when they do come up you're like oh well that that can't I must be making that because it's very you don't want to believe it you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but it's like you ha- have to <laughs> get mm-hmm. through that process in order to let it go because otherwise it's like it, it always reminds me of like trying to clean a dirty corner of the room with a broom that doesn't work and invisible dirt you know mm-hmm. like you can't clean what you can't fix what you don't see mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that was what you know I all I'd been able to feel before this in my therapy sessions was sadness and and shame mm-hmm. and that has really shifted you know I can now feel more than just sadness but any emotion any other emotion that I would have would just be sadness and shame like that was all I could experience and so yeah I had these I had these memories come up 
and I, um, you know, I was pretty devastated and also the effects of MDMA being that you, um, you don't have (laughs) serotonin. (laughs) Yeah. It's for a little while afterwards, you're kind of missing some of those chemicals. I, I, uh, took it once or twice, um, in my youth. So I remember Mm -hmm. the hangover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting with like all this trauma too, all these traumatic memories, but it was mm-hmm. so interesting because I went back, like I went so far back that I was like, just a soul, like I was, and choosing to come mm-hmm. and seeing what was going on for my parents and being like, oh, I need to come in to disrupt this. And then that feeling of like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that I like failed at what I was doing, but I also mm. now I see the work as what I'm doing now is disrupting that as like healing that, um, these like deep generational patterns and, mm-hmm. um, and that sort of, that sort of thing. So that was a really interesting perspective to have that knowledge of that Oh, like this is something that I chose. This is something like I'm here for this reason. Um, mm-hmm. Like I knew what I was coming into. Right. And- right. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it really is helpful to be able to connect with that part of yourself. Uh, you know, your highest self as some people call it. Um, but connecting with that part of yourself that did choose to come here and, and kind of uh, like accepting that you took on that role for a reason while at the same time having compassion for yourself that it was a lot harder once we got here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, it didn't seem this hard from the perspective we were looking at it when we came in, but um, it's really amazing that you are taking this this journey and so with the MDMA hangover I mean what what has been happening for you since then because that was just in October Mm -hmm. uh that you had all those memories come back and everything that's a lot to be processing um how has that been going for you uh is it are you better able to like make progress with that in counseling because you remember now yeah well so I think what was really helpful because even when I was in the experience, I wasn't saying out loud what, was, what the memories were coming up. Like I was having all these insights. Like I understood, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh, this is why I feel this way. This is why I feel this yeah. way. And so I was sharing that, but I wasn't sharing the actual memories that came up. And mm-hmm. so the next day I actually had a, I had a session with not the therapist I'd done it with, but uh, my other therapist. Mm-hmm. And I was just completely wrecked. Like I was, I was not okay. Like mm-hmm. I'd come, come off the MDMA and all of a sudden everything was just like, it was just all so heavy. So mm-hmm. being able to say out loud to him what, what had happened and what had come up for me mm-hmm. was really helpful. Um, and to do some, some work around that. And then I did end up sharing it with the other therapist, um, I spoke to her on the phone. She's like, oh, how are you doing? I was like, I feel like I've been in major surgery. But then they left me on the table 
and uh, nobody sewed me up. So I'm packing all my organs back in and doing it myself. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about this. Um, And so, yeah, the work that we've been doing has actually been a lot around the feelings of anger that that have come up. So what's shifted for me, I think, is is that I am feeling other feelings other than sadness and and shame. Yeah. It's been a slow roll. Like at first I was like, I just want to be fixed. Like I'm going to do this and I'm going to be fixed. But of course that's not how anything works. Yeah. (laughs) It's always a layered process, a multi-layered process. And it's interesting that you have been going through this at this time because the last three-ish months especially have been like one of the themes that I've seen just among people in general, whether they're uh, woo and awake or, or not, or on a spiritual journey is a lot of releasing of shame and guilt coming up or um, recognizing shame and guilt they have about different circumstances that they were um, just really not aware of. And so that is a really good point that uh, sometimes we have to find the other feelings, you know, the other feelings that are in there. And I mean, in your case, there, I'm sure there's a ton of anger uh, mm-hmm. because you come in, that's the thing. You choose to come in to uh, whatever family it is for the higher purpose that you've come in. And then you know, I know for me, like in a way, the way things unfolded, it feels like a betrayal, like you've been betrayed or cheated, you know, by the people that were supposed to protect you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting what you say about like that clearing of, of guilt and shame. There's this type of therapy called accelerated experiential dynamic psychotherapy and Mm -hmm. the idea behind that is that we can use shame as a feeling to avoid feeling all our other feelings so it's yeah shame anxiety and the other ones I can't remember but the and underneath that are all these other feelings uh that we just they haven't been socially acceptable they've been too uncomfortable to feel like sadness and anger and all those other Mm -hmm. feelings but if we don't ever feel them it gets trapped in the body right emotions are a physiological experience as much as a a mental and Mm -hmm. and an emotional one Mm -hmm. and when we don't allow them to move through our body they get trapped and it's really harmful to us like physiologically yeah yeah it can really wreck your body and um what was the other thing I was going to say just something oh grief Mm. grief is a big one like I think a lot of us when we're in the especially childhood trauma recovery we sometimes forget that we're grieving for what we lost you know we're grieving for what that child that we were didn't get to have or lost oftentimes as well so there is so much um sadness underneath all of that I uh I think it's amazing how far you're coming with the process already. I know uh, for me, my dog is being silly over here. Listeners can't see, but I'm just (laughs) saying that for Heather. So she's not like, why are you wiggling around weirdly? (laughs) Um, 
there MDMA. I remember it was a great experience for me when I did it, minus the hangover part. Uh, and it was something that I was lucky to do actually when I was 19 because it helped me at that time. Um, I grew up in a pretty affluent area. Um, so everybody that I went to school, you know, I was the poor kid, I was the fat kid, I was the kid who worked after school all the time, did new extra extracurricular stuff because I needed to buy clothes that I wouldn't get picked on for, you know, like those sorts of things. Uh, so I had a lot of self-esteem issues and I had difficulty, like I felt separate from all of these other people, even if they were my friends. Um, so when we all took the, because I always had that, I'm just here to love everybody. And it was very difficult for me to understand other people's behavior as I was growing up, like, you know, aggression and bullying and just, just anything that wasn't like joy and love was so confusing to me and my system. And so when I did the MDMA with this group of people who a lot of them, were, you know, some of them were my friends and then some of them were like the popular people that uh, weren't necessarily mean to me, but I definitely felt like, you know, there was, there was a, us, there was me and then there was them, you know, and I wasn't part of them. And for some reason they were going to, were going to let me be part of them. Um, so we, we took the MDMA all kind of together in this house on New Year's Eve. And it was like a 12 hour group therapy, you know, mm. all these teenagers um, having our, our barriers to connecting with each other come down. And I learned from that, that they had all the same feelings and insecurities and worries, you know, and that even though they weren't necessarily able to be that person, um, you know, without a medication or in their day-to-day -day life, that uh, they still had that love in there. And that when those, that barrier came down, I could connect with them. And that really helped me going forward, I think, to have um, more confidence in myself, less judgment of others, like learning not to assume, oh, well, this person surely is judging me and doesn't like me, you know, mm -hmm. it kind of helped me start to see, and I mean, it would take years before all those layers came off, but it helped me start to see that, oh, uh, most of what people have going on is like about them and not about me, you know, and I can stop feeling like, um, everything other people do is some sort of reaction <laughs> to me. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I'm doing something uh, mm -hmm. to make them behave or, or see me that way necessarily when it was just their own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But uh, that that's really amazing. And so um, motherhood, like mm -hmm. the expectations of motherhood. I know you do work uh, with peer counseling and um, trying to help other parents going through all of that um, real quickly. So for context, maybe for mm -hmm. discussion uh, on the topic, I, um, I have my kids 
at 33 and 35. So I was a little more settled in my life. However, I still had um, repressed memories, like a lot of them that I had no idea were going to come out. I knew what had happened to me in, in a general way. I, um, I knew, you know, like I could, I could remember stuff, but um, it wasn't until I had uh, my youngest is trans, but when they were um, my little girl at the time, I thought, and presenting that way, um, when I saw a two-year-old version of me and, and my body in front of me and was caring for them, it brought, like, it just, everything came back flashback city and so I had to do a lot of work with PTSD and then at the same time just to make sure I didn't ignore it um, when my kids were five and three uh, one of my mom friends went missing and was murdered uh, so it was like I, which gave me other reactions of PTSD. So by 2010, I needed like Ativan to go to Walmart. You know, I was so intensely in that flashback PTSD mode that um, I was, I was really having trouble just functioning and I was having trouble not, um, you know, having the over the top reaction to normal things my kids would be doing, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not like I was screaming at them all the time, but it's like, I would recognize, okay, this coming out right now has nothing to do with my kids. And now I'm sitting on my kitchen floor crying because I can't deal, you know? Mm -hmm. um, gosh, it's going to make me cry. It's been a long time since I talked about that, but um, so uh sadly it was Heath Ledger's death that helped me see because I was on some other medications for um some nerve damage and things that I have and I realized when he died and accidentally overdosed that I was like one pill a mistake away from dying from killing myself accidentally and uh, 2010, I went cold Turkey off all benzos. And, and I know that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Just for the record, everybody do not do what I did because it was not a good idea to just suddenly stop Xanax and all these things. But, um, for me, it worked out. Okay. And I went through a lot of, uh, recovery work over the next few years and, um, really got to a place where, um, you know, I, I was better, but that, uh, it is, it, you're right. Like it was the, I had so many expectations. And also when you have been, when you've had a shitty childhood in any way, all you want to do is give your kids better. New year, new ad. Welcome to 2022. I want to tell you a little bit about my services. I do a variety of oracle readings, animal communication, expansion coaching, 
consciousness anchoring and grief mediumship support. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I'll just move right on to the Patreon, which is a darn good deal because here's the deal with that. There's a five, 10 and $20 tier. All tiers receive 50% off all of my services all the time, unlimited discount. As well, the $10 tier gets full access to all content, including all previously recorded content from the last three months. And you would think with only three months, I wouldn't have that much, but boy, there's plenty up there. It would take you a while to get through it, to be honest. So there's plenty to watch and listen to and absorb and learn from. As well, on the $20 tier, my VIPs get a free service every month. So that is like a 75% discount on some of my services. If you would like to have me as a guest on your podcast, or you would like to be a guest on mine, go to my booking link through my link tree and book a podcast interview. If you have a good or service or healing art or intuitive practice that you would like to trade with me for one of my services, let's start the new economy with bartering, shall we? So go book a trade, go book a podcast interview, go book a service and go join the Patreon at Grooving Goddess on Patreon. You will have to go do it in a browser because you can't find it uh, in the app due to the fact that I have it marked 18 plus. So if you would like to join the Patreon, go do that there. And boy, we just can't wait to have you there. The Patreon has grown so fast in the last few months and I know we're just going to keep growing. So come join the Xanadu party and learn more about yourself, space weather, grid work, consciousness expansion, time manipulation and perception and much, much more. You just want to do better for them. And because we, you know, you and and I and all the parents out there, we're parenting in this weird window of time where the demands and expectations of parents is so huge. You know what I mean? Like the, the, all like, the right schools and the education and, and, uh, providing lots of, uh, extracurricular activities. And like, if you compared, let's say a normal childhood in the seventies and eighties to what happens now and not saying necessarily that time was perfect either, (laughs) because, you know, we were definitely like free range kids. And when, um, unfortunately when both parents started working, a lot of us began raising ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because nobody knew how to do that yet. It wasn't like the parents were just being assholes. It's just nobody knew how to make that work at the time. Um, It was so much, uh, just so much pressure, you know, I know I, and then also isolating, isolating, very isolating for women especially like if you were the one who had the babies and then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to stay home with them for this X amount of time. You lost your whole network, especially Mm -hmm. if you didn't have a lot of close family. Um, So just all those expectations, the parties and the play dates and the, I mean, God, the ballet classes and then trying every sport because you want to, you know, uh, give them exposure to everything. So it's a lot. 
it is a lot. And when you're trying to do that while also battling some sort of mental health struggles, which are being brought up because you're seeing these little versions of yourself, it can be a real nightmare. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's like the perfect storms, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and thank you so much for sharing that piece of your your journey Andrea I know it's so hard to like go back and think about <laughs> what it was like especially when we're on the other yeah side yeah I'm for for listeners I I have a 17 year old and a 19 year old now and, and but you know there's still there's still stuff there's still expectations mm -hmm. on me I just have better tools to handle it and mm -hmm. um mm -hmm do a better job and honestly a lot of peer support it's kind of funny because the groups that you and I participate in I mean I consider that almost like peer counseling <laughs> sometimes yeah, because absolutely. we really are helping each other through those tough things um mm -hmm. so uh like what do you see as far as how we are robbed of that beautiful spiritual component of motherhood Mm -hmm. with all the activity that we're expected to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think by placing unrealistic expectations onto uh, people who are doing the work of mothering, and I think that could be, you know, whether you're born into a, you're assigned female at birth or not, whether mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. or not, anyone doing that work of mothering a child. Mm -hmm there's just so many expectations and it just keeps you out of it keeps you out of your body it keeps you out of your um emotions it keeps mm. you stuck um it keeps you stuck in fulfilling a role versus mm -hmm. doing the work of of connecting which i think is one of the the big points of of motherhood is to mm -hmm. connect with our our children and and love our, our children and anyone who has a child knows that there is no love like a, a parent loving a child like there it's it's unparalleled to anything mm -hmm. else that mm -hmm. experience but when we have to you know do the cloth diapers and we have to you know mm -hmm. make sure they're doing the right music class and, and you must uh, breastfeed whether you want to or not, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is a huge one. That is a mm -hmm. huge one. And then, and even with like how you feed your baby, it's like, well, mm -hmm. you know, are you going to source like, if, okay, if you're going to choose to do formula, are you going to source the like organic goat formula from uh -huh. otherwise the rest is poison? And you're just like, right. What? It's you know, never ending. <laughs> never ending. These sort of um, expectations. And, and you can look in any area of it. Mm -hmm. And so we just get caught up in this because we want, we want the best for our children and we want them to know that they're loved and, and cared for. And then in all that, we forget about ourselves as mm -hmm. people that mm -hmm. need, need care. And we forget that we also have worth and value. Mm -hmm. And then it just ends up being like a, a big, like, clusterfuck <laughs> yeah I definitely burned myself right the fuck out by by 2012 mm -hmm. um I had a kicker uh 
that was the year that they found my friend's body finally. And then uh, I can't, I can never remember which came first because they happened so close together, but like within a week of each other, my um, stepdad, who was like the only father I ever had really, um, he died suddenly. And then um, my friend was found. And, you know, so we had like a memorial for her and a memorial for him. And it was just like, like you're saying, a perfect storm, Mm -hmm. um, a grief storm. And looking back at it metaphysically, it all makes sense now why things happened the way they did. But at the time, I mean, it knocked me on my ass. And so I became so um, physically uh, like immune disease. Immune disease Mm -hmm. is wildly triggered by grief. Like that Mm -hmm. seems to be of all the emotions, of all the stress, of all the different things, the thing that really knocks you on your ass Uh, when you have lupus or anything like that is grief. And Mm -hmm. so what happened to me is the Sjogren's syndrome um, got kicked into high gear and started attacking my lungs in 2012. And so Mm -hmm. I was forced basically into a six year period of um, a bit of almost like cocooning because uh, I had to do chemo every week for six years. And so some weeks I spent probably half of what you would consider normal waking time having to sleep or rest. And so I was, so I, the way I look at it is I was like doing intensive uh, spiritual training <laughs> to prepare me for what would happen um, in 20, 2017, 2018, because uh, the election of Trump and a few other things was like the slow death rattle of my marriage. And, mm. um, and then when it became apparent how the toxic relationship, how it was affecting the kids, um, you know, then it was a no brainer and I had to get out, but, uh, I, like, I really needed that time to be in, in homeostasis, like to just kind of be there, uh, spending a lot of time in the astral, getting my stuff ready and figured out and working through things. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like, I still had all these expectations on me. And like you, uh, you were talking about having a very, um, unequal or imbalanced relationship where, you were the one. And so that's kind of what happened to me and to my, my, um, you know, ex-husband and I is that he, like, I could carry, I could do all the emotional labor before we had two kids. And then I had physical damage from birth and being, uh, you know, permanently disabled from working like a full-time desk job anymore. Um, and then, uh, more can't piled on, more piled on. And so, uh, I realized, you know, oh, well, uh, I can't carry his portion of this plus do everything, you know, for the kids all by myself and be okay. And Mm -hmm. so in a way, like all of the things that happened, even the chemo was a gift because it allowed me to just focus on them and myself and healing us 
and getting better, but uh, it took a long time to get there. And I definitely have periods where, uh, you know, I accept everything now because it's all led me to here and here is really good. And everyone is um, learning how to thrive and flourish. But uh, I do like, you know, you're like, I, cause I almost uh, left him in 2010, 2011. I almost ended it then, but for some reason, I just uh, couldn't get out of it. And as soon as I got sucked back in with the love bombing, that's mm -hmm. when I got sick as fuck and I had to start mm -hmm. doing the methotrexate for six years. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's just an interesting observation that uh, how much all those expectations uh, kind of took away what initially was such a deeply spiritual connection with my kids. Mm -hmm. And I, I never stopped having that, that love and that, um, commitment to them. But I do think if I hadn't felt the need to be so focused on the playdates and the enriching their education and, just all of the the busyness that is required and all like you're talking about I mean from the time they're born it's like breastfeeding or formula oh gosh if I'm doing formula now what kind of formula is it and if I'm doing oh we're doing solids so I mean at one point I was making my own damn baby food you know mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. and not that there's anything wrong with that but the point is that um, especially if you were a type a ish career person uh, like I was, you stop working and then you just transfer that mindset to motherhood and then you're in there. And so you're expecting yourself to do all of it. And that's the thing is it's just, there's no need to do all of it, but we're told there is. And then also we're supposed to, um, you know, uh, look like a Kardashian, you, you know, wear makeup every day. Like you have all these influencers, like with their, their six month old, you know, dressed all cute, matching them. And like, you know, it's just all this fake imagery and expectation on parents mm -hmm. that we have. Mm -hmm. It is bananas. Mm -hmm. So in your peer counseling, um, cause thankfully, I mean, honestly, I'm so glad mine are teenagers now and I'm not having to have smaller kids to handle it right now, but, um, in your peer counseling, you know, what kind of, what are you seeing? Is it, is it like how much of just social media and all of that stuff is like messing up the whole process? What do you think, what are ways you think we can do to kind of like get off the hamster wheel <laughs> mm -hmm. that we've created for motherhood? Because that's basically what it is, is that we just, those capitalist values have just been transferred. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the personality type is a, is a huge one, like you're saying, Andrea. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so interesting. We, we have this sort of image that we use where it's like a I don't know what a chart image. I don't know, but if you, it's a circle and it's yeah. divided up like a pie. And then in the uh, middle, the life wheel, kind of. 
Yeah, yeah. We use our wheel as like uh-huh. as a, we call it the multifactorial explanation of postpartum depression. Or I don't know whatever. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like the parents in the middle, the mothers in the middle, and then there's all these other factors. There's like psychological factors, there's social factors, and there's biological factors, and there's all these different pieces that are that are happening, right? Mm-hmm. And most people explain sort of depression or anxiety after having a baby as being like biological, you know, mm-hmm. it's the hormones or whatever. And that's a, that's a very small slice mm-hmm. of the pie, right? Know, one piece of it. And it does, to- it's for sure that is a factor, you know, our, mm-hmm. our hormones have to be balanced and, um, but they just kind of blame all of it on that and like, oh, yeah. just wait, your hormones will go back to normal. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the bigger pieces are all these other factors. And I think we've really seen that because of the pandemic. Because if it was just if it was just biological or the struggle of in motherhood, especially early motherhood, we wouldn't have seen the massive increase in anxiety and depression that we saw mm-hmm. with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of a roundabout way of getting at your question. Oh, no, no, but no, no, you're good. <laughs> we saw like such a huge increase. Um, I mean, across the board for anyone in any life stage, mm-hmm. but especially for new parents, it just mm-hmm. went off the charts. Like, I think we went from about one in four new parents suffering from a mood or anxiety disorder. So all of them lumped in together, you know, if you look at just depression, it's like one in seven or anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but all together mm-hmm. it's one in four and we went to three and four. Wow. You know, like it was. Wow. Huge. Yeah. Huge. That is huge. That is huge. So yeah, I think the, an- the answer of like, how do we get out of it is mm-hmm. complex. Right. But what I do in my work is just like gently get people to one start to prioritize themselves because Mm -hmm. we do we're told like oh it's you know you have to sacrifice because you're a mother and you know in no other relationship would you say oh you have to sacrifice well I mean some people say you have to sacrifice because you're a wife but right you know we shouldn't we shouldn't do that Mm -hmm. we should be at a level playing field with our children in terms of our needs well, yeah, at the very least, I mean, we should be having sleep, mm-hmm. food, because mm-hmm. I know when my kids were little, like uh, up until maybe age eight, I don't know that I, you know, slept enough, hardly ever. Uh, it was uh, like I was so busy making food for them all the time that half the time I would not eat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you're saying is so true about that, that like, you're talking about the circle, the wheel that shows all the aspects that go into postpartum or, or any other probably, you know, mental health thing related to parenting is okay. Yeah. There's hormones, but there's also sleep deprivation, not having support from partners or family or anyone, you know, being isolated, uh, not feeding yourself because I know from my kids and also myself, like when you go to therapy, one of the first things they talk to you about is that you have to do, uh, and they always tell me the five things that you need to thrive, you know, uh, sleep, nourishment, um, 
mindfulness. So some form of, you know, meditation or something, um, movement. And I'm trying to remember what the other fifth one is, which is really funny because it probably means I'm not doing it. Can you think of another thing that's like essential? Uh, gosh, um, we, Movement? Did I say that? Did I say movement? No, I don't think you said movement. Yeah. Okay. That's the fifth one. Just some kind of movement, even just a walk, you know, around the block, the, those five things we need those as, as human vessels, not even counting the spiritual stuff just to function. You know, it's like, we're trying to drive our car at a hundred miles an hour and never put gas or oil in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think to like the spiritual connection to like embodiment in our bodies like we mm-hmm. have we I mean if you look at you know the hierarchy of Maslow's hierarchy needs or whatever like we can't get to those that sort of this thinking about the spiritual the metaphysical if we are constantly running on empty yeah physical bodies yeah but also the whole point I think of being a human on this earth is to be fully in our bodies mm-hmm and we miss out on a lot of our spiritual, like spiritual connections when we aren't fully in our bodies, when we're, you know, trapped in this sort of the, the hamster wheel of like not focusing on what do I need to mm-hmm. eat? What mm-hmm. am I getting enough sleep? Like if we're just sort of like barely functioning, we can't be in our bodies because our bodies are a scary place. And I think that's the same with trauma. It's like our bodies are a scary place so we can't fully get into our bodies and so we miss out on the the actual spiritual connection that we have to this planet and to this time which we can only experience through embodiment <laughs> which that is probably is, a whole other yeah no I love that I mean we could seriously have a whole other podcast just about that right now because what you're saying um is very validating and reinforcing to me that the newer um service that I started doing with people the consciousness anchoring Mm -hmm. why that's so important um because I I was I was told this I was given this to use specifically for the purpose of helping people to stay embodied while having that Um, expanded consciousness and being able to stay in their body because they're not looking for pieces of themselves being able to stay in their body because they know that it's safe and that it's uh like you're saying that it's part of the key to um the connection to everything Mm -hmm. uh that we really you know we really can't this idea that we're supposed to just um transcend our body somehow like you know the feeling like oh I'm just so tired of eating when can we get to the point where we don't have to eat or uh I'm so tired of sleeping and why do I have to sleep and and um you know why I don't want to have to talk anymore can we just have ESP now (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and all of that is really just uh an aversion and a reaction to not wanting to fully embody because you're not feeling safe, like you're mm-hmm. saying. Because mm-hmm. whether it's you've had trauma or whether it's that you're so overloaded with activity that you don't take care of yourself, uh, your body, um, that makes you unsafe in there. So um, mm-hmm. that's really motivating for me to keep 
keep working on that and offering that and going towards that. Since I started doing it, it's getting, I mean, I still love doing readings and I'm doing those too, but it's like, I'm feeling the shift. You know what I mean? I'm feeling this shift in myself where I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to be like, you know, uh, the cards are fun and all that, but what we really need to do <laughs> for you is this other thing, because then you won't need card readings and you'll have your own connection with your higher self and with the universe and you'll be fully empowered. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. I think that's so true, Andrea, like everything you're saying, you just said really kind of, it's really aligning with my own experience right now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the work that I do with other new parents is like, okay, calming down the nervous system. Like what are some mm -hmm. tools you can use to, to bring your nervous system down so that you can connect with your self and connect with what you need. And just that sort of practice of like, what am I feeling in my body right now? Like, what is the sensation happening? What is happening in this moment? Because that's another thing that I think parenthood and motherhood does to us. It pulls us out of the moment. Mm -hmm. you know we're like okay I need to do this so that in five years my child doesn't you know have xyz or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um we're we're parenting for the future and we're like getting upset about the past when really all we have mm -hmm. is this exact moment in time we have nothing else and that is I think one of the ways that parenthood and motherhood pulls us out of uh this sort of like spiritual connection that it it mm -hmm. could it could pull us out of that experience that makes perfect sense because I know and I and you know I still find myself doing it and I've gotten a lot better now at learning to quiet that and be more present and just um focus on one thing at a time like uh I don't know two years ago me I would be having this conversation with you, but in the back of my mind, I would be thinking about 15 things that I need to try to get done today. Uh, you know, what I have to do tomorrow. Um, like just, you know, that, that busy noise in our brains. And that's really all it is, is mm -hmm. noise. And when we can learn to shut off that noise and just be like, and right now I am spending the time talking to my wonderful guest and that is all that matters. And then when I'm finished with that, I'll do another thing, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, because yeah, when my kids were little, oh my gosh, that noise in my head, I felt like, I just felt like my thoughts were just a perpetual to-do list. And also a list of like, uh, you know, the mean, the, the thought gremlins reminding you of all the things that you didn't do right, or should have done better, or, you know, those mm -hmm. self judgments. So it, it makes it impossible, like you're staying to say, stay really present. So it sounds like um, we roundabout way got to like, the basic answer to my question for you of what we can do better, which is just yeah we need to help people be able to calm their nervous system and stay present because yeah. if they can stay present and embodied that allows them to uh, have the more fully rounded and emotional and deep uh, experience of motherhood, parenthood um, versus what we've been doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
<clears throat> yeah. Um, my dog and I need a bio break, <laughs> I think. And so do you have any final thoughts uh, as we wrap up this episode? I'm going to have to have you mm -hmm. back to talk about stuff more, like maybe in six months, you know, see how you're doing and everything, because you have so much wisdom about all of this. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Andrea. I mean, I think that the, you know, our wisdom, like we all have that, right? Like mm -hmm. everyone has that within them. And I would, I would love to come back and chat about it. And I think the being present, like, and being in the moment, that is one of the gifts that my work with psychedelics has given me and not just the one that I'm journey, but the soul time mm -hmm. experiences I've done as well. Mm -hmm. um, but one sort of like final thought on uh, the, the thoughts that you mentioned, sort of like that noise of the, the, oh, I should have done this differently. I should have mm -hmm. done that. And that is, you know, those shoulds, those are all, those are all those social constructs coming back to bite us. Those are all mm -hmm. the things that we've like heard we should be doing, you know, mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. I should have, you know, stayed, a good mother would never do this, a good mm -hmm. mother would never do that. And, you know, those are all these like myths that we've, we've taken mm -hmm. in from society. Oh, like a good mother would never need a break. I'm like what? uh-huh you know like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's that that's not reasonable or like yeah well and is. we've forgotten that like families used to be big and extended so you would have yeah. grandparents you know siblings there would be aunts and uncles there would be all these people that helped each other and the way we parent now being so disconnected from our, our root families and just smaller families in general, a lot of us are doing it totally on our own and have none of that support mm -hmm. yet still expecting ourselves to do everything. Mm -hmm. That that's a huge one. That's a really big one too, is the lack of support and the isolation. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons during this pandemic that everything just kind of fell apart for a lot of new parents. Yeah. yeah. This extreme isolation. And then, you know, it's like, well, what's wrong with me, you know, mm -hmm. that I can't, I can't do this. It's like, well, there's actually nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. There's, it's everything in what's wrong in the circumstance, mm -hmm. you know, and that is what I hope if anyone is listening to this and is a new mm -hmm. parent and they're struggling, it's like, it is not you. It, it's these impossible ideals we put on new moms and mothers in general. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah this isn't your this isn't your fault mm -hmm. deficient mm -hmm. or bad yeah there's no reason to have shame or guilt there's no reason to judge yourself uh, I mean mm -hmm. as long as um you are meeting the like the five to thrive you know it, in a way it's the same thing it's like we have to do that for ourselves and we need to do that for our kids and all the other extra stuff is just window dressing and societal expectations yeah 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 wow. even even the scientific research <laughs> they so even the scientific research will say that you know, we have this idea that we have to be perfect all of the time and we mm -hmm. have to be perfectly attuned to our children all of the time for them to like grow up to thrive. Mm -hmm. And it's actually 30% of the time you need to be attuned to your child and can, like, you need to get it right. Like there's so mm -hmm. much of a window to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, then, there's plenty of room to screw up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's not even screwing up really. I think no. to some degree, 
the like all of these aspects the whole picture is there to um help the kids grow and learn too because if if we're just like 100% in there all the time like the whole helicopter parent thing um mm -hmm. then they don't grow and learn to be to be self-regulated and to mm -hmm. uh you know be able to entertain themselves and not need constant stimulation all of the there's so many benefits uh to us giving them some room to breathe and also ourselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep yep we don't have to we don't have to do it all we don't have to be perfect mm -hmm. yeah be human <laughs> just be human and enjoy that's the thing find the joy mm -hmm. try to enjoy the moments in mm -hmm. your day and if you're having I would say you know if you're having a bad moment a rough moment you're really frustrated you know, you're tired, maybe the baby's crying or there's colic or like now there's, you know, flour from one end to the house or the other because they managed to get into something the one time you took a pee by yourself longer than a minute, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, just take a pause, look around, try to laugh at the situation and remind yourself that there will, you know, right around the corner, there's going to be another precious moment where mm -hmm. your baby does something and you're just like, oh, I love you so much, you know, and the other things don't matter. Mm -hmm. um, they really don't. Mm -hmm. And most things, if you take a pause, if you can just take a pause and look at the situation, almost everything is hilarious and absurd mm -hmm. <laughs> with, mm -hmm. with parenting, just the things that happen are like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this now. There's a grilled cheese sandwich in my VCR. So I'll <laughs> deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Heather, for coming on. And I know you're um, more anonymous for various reasons. <laughs> so we're not going to tell people where to get a hold of you, but um, I will definitely have you back on. And I am so happy we got to have this conversation today. I think it will help a lot of people because I know. You know, everybody's going through it. Winter makes everything a little more magnified because you're kind of stuck indoors more, plus the ridiculous holiday expectations and all of oh. that. And then <laughs> and then this year we have to see our families. <laughs> so that yeah. makes it even harder for some. Yeah. But better for others. So, you know, it is what it is. But uh thank you for coming on and thank you, Groovers, for listening to another episode of Grooving Goddess. And um I love you all and just know that your job is just to find the joy in the moments of your life. Don't worry about being perfect. And check out some of these tools and uh things that you know Heather has had work for her and that might work for you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andrea. Cats and kittens, let me tell you about Meow Podcast on YouTube. This is our collaboration between myself, Andrea Land, Grooving Goddess, 
and Serafina of Fraggle Ing with Serafina. It's hard to believe that we have been doing the OWL podcast, M-E-O-W-W, on YouTube for almost a year now. Watch for a lot of exciting upcoming events this year. We host a global panel discussion and healing conversations about topics including metaphysical, sociopolitical, health, really all about aspects of human and non-human life. So come join us on the Owl Podcast. Please like, subscribe, hit that alarm button so that you get notifications of our episodes when they drop. We have many guests from Grooving Goddess and also from Fraggling with Serafina, as well as entirely different guests that you're not going to get on other podcasts. So come listen, watch, and enjoy Meow Podcast today. You can also find and follow our page on Instagram, the Meow Podcast, and send us a DM if you would like to be on the show, or you have any questions or comments, or just want to say howdy. So come on down and start your stuff with us cats and kittens in these healing conversations. Meow Podcast. It's not a vibe. It's a frequency. Yeah.
Okay, so you know how COVID time is like weird and how January had so many Januaries in it? Uh, it's really only been less than a year since all the planets were direct. But basically, it is a time to make a lot of progress in your life and forward momentum. So jump in that flow of time and come along for the ride. Uh, with my guests, I, it's funny how many people don't know this, even after I did a season finale where there's, I don't know, like 45 songs or something, um, that are all sung by me. There are a couple where I do it with someone or I used a version from someone else that I really liked with their permission, of course. Uh, but I ask my guests when they come on what their favorite songs are, what they feel inspired by, etc. And Heather gave me four banging choices, but for whatever reason, uh, and I mean, these aren't obscure artists either. Uh, those particular songs by these uh, artists were not available in a musical track. And um, I'm not that good of a cover artist. <laughs> I'm more of a vocalist. But... I was inspired instead to write something. So this is a little ditty that I whipped together very late at night when I was sleepy. And it should be going to bed, to be honest. Whew. But sometimes it's just got to come out of you. And I'm glad I felt inspired to do it. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. I am sure you'll see or feel or hear whatever you need from it because it could be interpreted a lot of different ways but it just came out of me and I really really enjoyed it and thank you to the beat creator who I have given credit to in the show notes thank you so much and let's see next episode gosh there's just so many things um go listen to if you're so moved or interested in women's health care since we're already on the topic of motherhood and women um go check out caught in time i did a swap cast with caught in time my friend uh dana espinosa she's a wonderful artist uh goes by ishtar's return and she has a patreon which i'm a part of and she uh and i did a long episode where we kind of both told our stories and experiences with terminating pregnancies and also with having medical trauma because of lack of access to that procedure with a miscarriage. So we talk about all of that and share our experiences because there is such a polarized uh, public sharing of stories and opinions around the topic right now that 
I think it's helpful to to share that there's a middle ground somewhere. Um, and that's what we found, I think, in this episode that I recorded with her. And I will be releasing it on my podcast as well. Um, if you scroll down in some of the posts on Instagram, you will see that um, episode for Caught in Time. And you can go check that out there. I think that's everything mostly. Yep, that's everything that you'll get before you listen to this episode. So I will keep you updated on the rest. I think I forgot to say that we picked a date for the Awakening Minkaka Symposium, which is April 9th. And if anyone would like to present or join a discussion panel uh, for that event, please go to my link tree and find the link, which is right at the very top for the sign up sheet. And it will take you there to fill that out. Then I will put you on the email list and we can uh, get involved with more planning. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, it is going to be so much fun. I just recorded another episode with Karen Rontowski on Paranormal Karen about the symposium and all about Mintaka and how I wound up channeling it and having this experience. Um, so definitely keep that in mind. If you like whales, music, water, you've always felt like you just feel love for the world and didn't understand your peers uh, and other humans <laughs> for parts or all of your life uh, you might enjoy learning more about Mintaka if you felt homesick or a bit like um, a sadness when other people talk about Atlantis or the Atlantean wound or feeling like they got left behind um, because you just have this sense that there is no going home and that we have to make this earth thing work um, then you might be Mintakin. I sound like Jeff Foxworthy now. You might be Mintakin if you live underwater <laughs> but you vacation on land. Uh, at any rate, it's going to be a ton of fun and I'm really looking forward to that. And I think I'm still talking because I'm stalling from you getting to the song part. So feel free to just stop that like 13 seconds in and give up on it. Um, here's me being awkward. I love you all very much and thank you for listening. And thank you again, Heather, for being on the show. There is just always one more thing with me, I swear. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that if uh, anything in this episode um, brought anything up for you, there is a list of a whole bunch of hotline numbers covering every possible topic uh, covered in the podcast. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist, but... Uh, if you're overwhelmed by that list and you, you just need someone to tell you exactly which number to call or something like that, I can certainly point you in the right direction of information and help and inspiration if that is what you're needing. So much love once again.